This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And we are talking about the Iran deal. I am a libertarian. I come from a libertarian perspective. I have very strong convictions about how to conduct a defensive personal and political policy that all of our the government's right to use violence against other people derives from the our right to self-defense and that interpretation i hold pretty strictly that you actually have to be in physical danger from an attack in order to use violence so uh when I look at this deal, the sanction that uh, we imposed, the West imposed, or actually the UN imposed sanctions on Iran uh, in 2006 because we it refused to eliminate its uranium enrichment program. It was enriching uranium re- uranium to 20 percent for its second generation reactors. A weapons program requires 85% enrichment, which it was not doing. But still, we didn't like it, and we imposed sanctions. And you could actually think of that uh, to to say that you will punish people who deal with another country as uh, an act of aggression. You could say that. So, so that in itself, so I know Ron Paul was against sanctions, but Rand Paul was for the sanctions. So you you can see two libertarian perspectives in the same family about how uh, whether sanctions are a form of preemption that's short of violence, if that's okay or what. But in any case, we impose the sanctions and Iran is finally uh, basically caving on that issue, which is it's not going to enrich, and in return, the sanctions will be lifted. Now, people are reading a lot more into this, but if the sanctions genuinely were about uranium enrichment, and this document, which I've looked at, read directly, and also interpretations of it, do seem to have all the mechanisms in place to make sure that Iran does not enrich uranium above 3.67%, at least for the next 10 to 15 years, then it seems to me it's a straightforward uh, arrangement that um, decreases the likelihood of Iran having a nuclear weapon. So at the top of the hour in the news, we heard a clip from Ted Cruz saying the deal is catastrophic. And he goes on to say nuclear Iran is the greatest threat to U.S. national security, something like that. But if those statements can't, in my opinion, those statements are contradictory because if really we're worried about nuclear Iran, the deal seems good. What I think, and the greatest threat to U.S. security, I would say, is a nuclear Russia, not a nuclear Iran. Uh, but I think that all of this is really just um, uh, window dressing for real geopolitical issues that the Democrats and the Republicans actually have different priorities here. And, uh, and that the, the real problem is that Israel and Saudi Arabia do not want Iran to grow uh, in influence or economic 
stability, stuff like that, because it threatens their power and influence in the region. I mean, it's pretty straightforward politics. But I think on the face of the scope of this agreement, it does seem to forestall a nuclear weapons program by Iran. Um, and I, I think that that is certainly doesn't make things less peaceful. I think that that ha- it has to mean uh, a more peaceful outlook. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Eric in Snellville. Hi, Eric. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you? Um, good. I just want to say, first of all, that uh, I really appreciate the uh, type of analysis that uh, you're doing. It actually uh, clarifies and brings out a whole lot of issues that uh, I think most people aren't thinking about. Uh, but the question that I have is... Um, you know, in relationship to the way that uh, Israel is uh, responding to uh, this deal and what the primary reasons are behind that response and how you think uh, this uh, deal uh, impacts upon the relationship between the U.S. and Israel and Israel's influence over U.S. foreign policy in that region. That's big. Uh, I I think that it's it's... We have a tendency to think of what Netanyahu, the uh, leader of Israel, says as encompassing what all Israelis think or what uh, Jewish Americans think. And I and I think there is more of a dispute, more disagreement there than we are even exposed to. I know I was reading a couple of articles, Meyer Dagon and Ural Diskin. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing those right, but these are former heads of the um, Mossad and Shin Bet, which are the CIA, FBI kind of equivalents over there, they think that that Netanyahu is that his um, you know bombastic, you know he gets so hysterical about it that they think that's that's bad for for the long term prospects of Israel and its stability, and that there is a better way. Uh, to get peace from the Palestinians without giving them their own state. It doesn't have to be a two-state solution. And I also look back, because I did a lot of work on this, I look back, and, and you never hear about, I never hear about this, but Yitzhak Rabin was the prime minister. He was assassinated in 1995 by right-wing Israelis, and uh, and he had been instrumental in the Oslo Accords, which was going to promote peace. So I think it's possible to say that... Um, that there is disagreement even in Israel about uh, about the effectiveness that it might be to to try to co-opt Iran into uh, you know wanting to promote peace and stability and agreement by being part of the international community. I think that that there is an argument to be made for that. I mean, what do you think? Well, um, I think you know my perspective on it is is that. Uh, you know, Israel, uh, you know, sees Iran, of course, supporting uh, some of their adversaries, uh, Hezbollah in uh, in Lebanon, and, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, the Palestinians in the West Bank and what have you. And uh, I, I think that they basically see it as a possibility of their losing a certain amount of influence over U.S. foreign policy in that region. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wonder, you know, how that's going to impact on the U.S. Uh, relationship with Israel uh, long term, although I see that, uh, you know, uh, the Obama administration is at least saying that they are prepared to uh, extend uh, more uh, 
more uh, military support. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to. Um, I, I don't think, you know, one person in Israel maybe uh, will, you know, I don't think Netanyahu is going to be able to dictate the terms of all of our relationships over there, but I don't think that it's necessary, like it's necessarily an abandonment. I think peace would be good. I think there are two sides to that story on how to achieve peace in Israel. And I think um, that Iran can help us because Iran is on our side in fighting ISIS and Al Qaeda and that kind of thing in Iraq and in Syria. So, if we can, like, if we could work with them and eliminate that extreme instability over there, I don't see how that, you know, I think that would be good for Israel. It can't be good for them to have all of that violence and chaos and, and breakdowns of states right on their border. I just, I can't see that. And maybe this is a path to make it better because Saudi Arabia is making it worse and they're our current big ally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't know. It's interesting how quiet they are, how quiet we are about what the, the Saudis are actually doing. I know that's the other thing that that I think the focus really should be on Saudi Arabia, and this and and that is really the big influence, the big impact that this might have in that region is more about Saudi Arabia's influence over the Muslims than it is about Israel. I really think that that's more important. So, um, I don't know. We'll see how it unfolds. Thank you, Eric, for the call. I'm going to Tony in Dawsonville. Hi, Tony. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. They, uh, on the Iran- Iranian thing, I don't know how many people understand the word ruse, but the deal that Yahoo and Obama bickering and they don't like each other, to me, it's a ruse. Everybody knows since they were reestablished, the United States covers Israel's back. Israel will do the same thing they did before because they got enough intelligence over there. If Iran even started to put a bomb together, Israel will destroy the plant and anything else in their way, and the United States will tell everybody else to sit down and shut up, and it'll be over. They're giving uh, yeah. the Iranians a chance to come back into the world to trade so their people quit starving instead. And I get so tired of these politicians making hay out of everything. And when they know what's going to happen, if, if, you know, if worse led to worse, they already know what's going to happen. Israel will destroy it. The United States tell everybody else, shut up. That'll be the end of it. I did think at first that this thing with Netanyahu and Obama was a ruse because that's how politics works. It's so dramatic. But do you really, you, you really think that, um, I don't know, I get the sense that the Republicans are really against this. Well, they're against anything. Our current president has said or done. Yeah. You know, just like they, they look at Social Security, whenever they were wanting cuts, and he said, okay, we'll give cuts when they're trying to do the budget deal. Things they want done, he turned around and said, okay, we'll do it. And then they said, oh, no, we don't want to do that. This is, you know, it's just a sad day in, in the country that so much bickering has went on. But with the Israel deal, we've got them, they know it, and they will be the bad boy on the block if necessary with the uh, nuclear deal. So, I mean, you know, they're not worried about it. Think about it. The powers that be that you talk about that I know about and realize they're not going to let anything happen to destroy the flow of oil from the Middle East. What would the nu- nuclear bomb do to the oil flow? It would end it. Oh, they're not going to let that happen. 
That's a good point, Tony. And uh, um, yeah, let's talk about that, about uh, really what the, what's called straight power concepts, not about the political theater that we see in Washington. Let's peel the onion a layer coming up. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Temperature outside the studio is 87 degrees, still only a 7 on the Mellish meter. Not too bad, though. Uh, There are uh, scattered storms in the area, and that could change. So stay tuned to Weekend Weather, brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. And I just um, had a caller, Bell, ask offline what um, if I thought the hostages should have been part of this deal. And I frankly, was flabbergasted. We're talking about the Iran deal, nuclear deal. Uh, I have a lot of callers who disagree with me. I'm going to get to all of them, and you can join in on either side, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But I did want to address this. The first thing I thought when I read the details of this deal were, how could it not include a return of all Americans from Iran? Like, to me, that's the deal breaker, that that's our legitimate interest is to get Americans out of a country that doesn't have the same protections of rights, uh, a justice system that we can oversee. That should be, uh, that's really the the clearly legitimate U.S. Uh, concern here and i was really shocked by that but it would didn't make the mainstream it didn't bubble up to the surface for days and i, I still think it's not uh, a headline but to me that that should just absolutely be a deal breaker and i don't see why it isn't i don't think there are that many people i don't think uh, it should crush iran there's there's not nothing pivotal about uh letting those people go so that i found uh, rather troubling, and um, I would say that that is, uh, for me, I, there's no explanation for it. I don't think anybody even offers the explanation. But we're, there are a lot of details to this uh, deal and a lot of both conflicting reports and fiercely opposing opinions. So I'm going to get to all that next, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, giving you usually a unique perspective on the news when you're not getting from the right or the left. I think that's true for this topic. I'm talking about the Iran deal. I'm just looking at it on its face. I know people on both sides of the aisle are uh, getting very emotional about it. And I think that's because of the broader implications. On its face, though, this deal, uh, the goal is to... uh, What happened was in 2006, the U.N. imposed sanctions on Iran because Iran would not agree to reduce their uranium enrichment program. They were enriching uranium to 20 percent, which is for their higher class reactors. Eighty five percent is needed for a nuclear weapon. This deal gets them back down to three point six seven percent to put in cold storage. The reactors that take the higher uranium the more enriched uranium to stop enriching uranium at that level and uh and just use their kind of generation one reactors for the next 10 years then they'll phase them out and put in probably state-of-the-art reactors from what i can tell by the r d that they're allowed to do 
But uh uh, and then in return, the sanctions that were imposed to get them to stop enriching uranium at higher levels are lifted. So to me, on that, like, uh, on its face, it seems to do what it's, uh, I, I think it promises to do what it says it wants to do, which is reduce the possibility of Iran getting nuclear weapons, at least for the term of the deal, which is like 10 to 15 years, depending on how you look at it. So I'm going to go to some calls, 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Donald and Sonoya. Donald, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Uh, as far as the inspections and the monitoring are, are, are concerned, you are completely not addressing the terms. You know that we don't have unfettered access. You know that America... Wait, did you read the document? The whole thing? It looks... Go ahead. What? Because it looks to me that the IAEA can get in there. No, what, what it says is that the IAEA can file a, a complaint, and then there's a 24-day uh, of, of consideration, and then the Iranians can respond to that. No, they but they're allowed to get in there and look at it, even put surveillance equipment in there. Not without permission from the Iranians. And so you but they have permission the through this deal. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. They, they have permission to ask for access, and Iran has permission to, to respond positively or negatively. There's a 24-day uh, day window from the, from the time that a request will be made for an inspection. And those are the facts, Monica, and you need to go read those facts. My understanding is that they are they the IAEA is being granted access to the Iranian facilities in a in a way that Iran has never agreed to before, including surveillance. I don't I don't get Iran, Iran has never agreed to any access. Okay, and now they're entering into an agreement in which they're saying you can ask for access, and then we have twenty four days to respond to you on your request for access. And then we can we can deny that access, and then you can and then the IAEA can enter into an arbitration process, which can take up to six to eight months. In addition, no American inspectors are allowed access, even as members of the IAEA, to Iranian facilities. And those are the facts, Monica. I think I have read various interpretations of. Uh, this document and the document itself, and it seems to me uh, they have, here's one summary that says, IAEA will have multi-layered oversight over Iran's nuclear supply chain from uranium mills to procurement of nuclear-related technologies. For declared nuclear sites such as Fordo, IAEA will have round-the-clock access to nuclear facilities and will be entitled to maintain continuous monitoring, including via surveillance equipment, at such sites, it's, uh, it says the agreement authorizes the IAEA to make use of sophisticated monitoring te- technology, such as fiber optic seals on equipment that can electronically send information to the IAEA. I just don't, I don't see it like that. I just don't, uh, I, I think that... You don't, you don't think it, but the facts are that it is a 24-day window for any access into any Iranian facility, and then that you can be refused. And then arbitration goes into it into effect. I think that the the media is misrepresenting what's really in this document. I think that you, I encourage people to read it yourself, read the whole thing. It's really not that that long. A lot of it's annexes and stuff, but you could print it out and read it. 
maybe 50 pages of it and just determine for yourself because that's that's the problem is people are predicting that this is weak that it won't work i mean i i am convinced but uh regardless uh, it seems to me that getting them to agree to this stuff is a better policy than having them uh be forced to pivot eastward because uh, a, they don't agree to any of this, which is what it is now, and are suffering from sanctions, which the East is already starting to uh, whittle away at. Russia said that they were going to lift the ban on selling them uh, uh, missile defense equipment, letting them be a part of the Russian missile defense system which includes anti-aircraft missiles that's where iran is looking i think i remember a long time ago india was starting to trade gold for oil to iran i think i also read i know i read uh, i think it's true that uh, uh, uh russia was trading grain and building material in return for oil from iran so if they're going to start pivoting east with and and not agree to any of this i i think that this is on its face worth a chance. I think that we probably have a dispute about the facts, and I encourage people to read the document themselves. I'm going to Dominic in Canton. Hi, Dominic. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. So I just wanted to touch on something. You said Iran is on our side in the fight with ISIS. Well, maybe, but that's like saying Stalin is on our side against the fight against Hitler. But they were. So, <laughs> you know, like they did defeat Hitler. Then we had another problem. That is true. But you can't deny that uh, that Stalin did some, that we probably wouldn't have won the war without Stalin. Right. But the difference here is that we can beat ISIS without Iran, and we can definitely just... Not if our allies continue to supply ISIS. Saudi Arabia has got its hands in the cookie jar caught many times uh, well, funneling you know, uh, both soldiers and money and everything into that fight and not, you know, and supporting these radical Sunni groups that are a threat to us. Yeah, but we we haven't fought uh, to our best. I mean, if we sent troops over there, this would be done. This would have been done months ago if we would have just put boots on the ground. I mean, we can do it. I think we it would be done if we, if we just stopped... Uh, playing one side against the other. I read recently on the air a document from the Defense Intelligence Agency that said they saw the rise of ISIS, what they called Islamic State. Maybe it's a different entity or a, a root entity. They saw it. They saw our allies promoting it, and they liked it, and they encouraged it. So they, and the purpose is to unseat Assad. So they are playing with fire here, both sides against the middle. And that, that's where this stuff gets really complicated. Our allies, you know, it's not just this black and white um, moral argument between Iran is always bad and uh, our allies are always right. These the, it's a it's a dangerous game we're playing over there because we want to reshape the Middle East and we have a high tolerance for chaos because this is something that uh, uh, I read. I was researching Yemen and it's also supported by the clip I played earlier by Wesley Clark is what if you if there's nobody for these guys to turn to, Yemen was the first, in this article I was reading, it was a research document actually, Yemen was the first state decades ago that we 
uh, decided as a matter of policy could be a failed state. We could afford to allow failed states because the Soviet Union was no, no longer there to catch them as they fell and convert them to Soviet kind of uh, satellite states. Once we thought we no longer had that to worry about, we, ha- we cre- got a much higher tolerance for chaos, for destruction of stable entities. And uh, we would want to take over, say you want to run Iraq, but if you can't, it's just as good to splinter it into a lot of pieces that don't, um, that don't pose any threat to you and don't pose any advantage to your allies. So I would say ISIS is a, a result of that, of, of that policy of being okay with a level of chaos that I personally don't think is in our interest, in Israel's interest, in anybody's interest over there. But it's gotten so mercenary that we let Saudi Arabia do this stuff, even though it scares us. You know, it's, it's, it is scary for us. These are the same, you know, these are the s- terrorists on the same side of the aisle as al-Qaeda and the 9-11 Saudis and all that. I mean, I think that this is a, it is not as clear-cut as sometimes we would be told uh, by the media. I want, I still have more calls to get to, Adam, Bill, uh, Mike, all still disagree with me, but I'm willing to engage. Uh, Let's take a quick break and uh, also take more of your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Check in with us often this weekend for breaking news, weather and construction traffic updates on WSB. And join us early Monday morning for team coverage traffic updates every six minutes. And how much longer the heat wave will last to Kirk Mellish's exclusive five-day forecast. Hi tomorrow, 94 degrees, afternoon and evening scattered storms. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate, the official air conditioning of summer. This is Monica Perez. And we're talking about the Iran deal. I just had a bit of a heated exchange with Donald, I think it was, who called. Uh, We really had a dispute about the facts of this deal, which is why it makes me crazy that the media, I think, really misreports what's in the deal. And I had to go and read the deal myself, read the summaries, read the analyses. Um, But I had in my notes what Donald was talking about. He was saying that. Uh, There is no inspection. They have to ask to inspect the Iranian nuclear sites. And I was reading quotes about how uh, the IAEA has the right to inspect. So what the difference is, uh, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Association, has the right. I'm going to read the quotes. Uh, the IA, This is a summary with quotes in it. The IAEA will have multi-layered oversight over Iran's entire nuclear supply chain from uranium mills to its procurement of nuclear-related technologies. For declared nuclear sites such as Fordow and Natanz, the IAEA will have round-the-clock access to nuclear facilities and will be entitled to maintain continuous monitoring, including via surveillance equipment at such sites. It goes on to talk about fiber optic seals on equipment that sends electronic information to IAEA, infrared uh, satellite imagery, environmental sensors, other tools that will uh, let the IAEA know immediately if there's anything outside the terms of the deal. What Donald was talking about, he said, no, 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 you have to request access. The Americans can't go in there. It could take 14 days. What he is talking about is a is a separate provision 
that says uh, that if so, so the IAEA inspectors assigned to Iran will triple from 50 in number to 150 inspectors. If these inspectors have concerns that Iran is developing nuclear capabilities at any non-declared sites, that they have some secret centrifuges somewhere that we did not know about or they haven't told us about, then they may request access and tell the reasons why, and then they have 14 days to resolve that. But all that means is that there is a mechanism in place if these guys think that Iran is cheating. But as far as the actual nuclear program, it will be under constant supervision, constant surveillance. So uh, this, to me, is a bonus, that if they have suspicions of stuff totally unrelated, other areas, there is even a mechanism there. And if they're not satisfied, then the sanctions snap back, and Russia or China cannot veto them. This is, uh, to me... Part of the problem of how there is, uh, you know, you got to go to the original source. Read the document. It's not that long. Uh, and give me a call. I still have all these calls to get to. 404 750 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.